You're listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick. Today we're back for the second round of the three-part series with Linda B.C. Brown. Uh, as we've introduced her already, she's like a guru of business, marketing, branding, and graphic design. So Thanks, Scott. T- t- today uh, we're going to speak about neuromarketing, which is a new word for me. Uh, neuromarketing, obviously marketing uh, based on what's happening inside your cognitive brain. Um, and it's all about developing a relationship between the customer and the business. And the, in the same way, when you meet someone in, a, in, a, in, a, in an environment, if you're going dating, one person appeals to you and another person doesn't. It's a chemistry thing. Yes. So I really, I really need uh, a bit more explanation from Belinda. The research I did online was all about hooking people up to MRIs and seeing how the stimuli affected their brain patterns. I don't think that's where you're coming at it from. So if you could just fill us in, that'd be great. Yeah, so there has been um, a lot of study done on, on human brains and we there's still and there is still so much that we don't know about how our brain works and in Mine does it most of the time. Well <laughs> <laughs> But um what Can you, you get mine to turn on? <laughs> <laughs> well there, there, I mean certainly like me from and... a marketing perspective, there'll be some cue Scott, I reckon if I had some <laughs> some certain words or certain music or certain smells mine, that turn mine your okay, mind man. on. Mine okay, man. Sex sells on me <laughs> every right. time. <laughs> so there are Food and sex is all I need. <laughs> But that's what I find fascinating about human behaviour. And so when we're literally taking what we understand about how the how the brain works and it's in um, in a marketing sense, how we actually then as humans make buying decisions, then we actually are then literally taking those ideas and then combining that with different marketing channels, if you like. So I guess why I really got into this and I've been really... Um, been a little bit unnaturally obsessed with um, neuromarketing and archetypes. For but I mean, this is why you're so sick. You're, you're obsessive and passionate, and that's why you well, have all this. Well, yeah, I, I, this I just I love it. it. And the more I learn about human behaviour, the more work we then do around it. The more we observe human behaviour, and the more that we are following the research that's coming out as they are unlocking more areas of our brain. Mm. Um, the fundamental part about um, neuromarketing is that there really is three type. There's three parts to your brain. So there's your conscious brain, mm-hmm. your subconscious, and then your unconscious. And so what we know about buying decisions is that all buying decisions are mostly made in your unconscious brain. So that's the part where you generally go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist to unlock traumas from your past. So this really? is the part okay. of your brain that you know is not on. So that's not asleep. It's it, not when you're asleep, it's your weight, but it, it's not... It's your, uh, it's your unconscious, unconscious mind. mind. And that's where that binds. So that's where things feel right. So you think about the brands that you're loyal to. Mm. Um, you know, I like Fiat's. You know, I like, uh, you know, certain brands of clothing, certain brands of, of alcohol, for example. But it's the way that they make you feel when you when you buy them. So you're not buying that bottle of Moe, you know, mm. because it's the bottle of Moe. You're buying it because you're going to celebrate something yeah. with someone or yeah. something. and it may, Or it's that extra special thing that you, you take along, right? Wow, I've always thought like that was a subconscious mind. So what? No, it's more... Where does the unconscious mind Well, the mind unconscious sit? mind is actually... And how, what, what, well, unconscious what goes into subconscious talks? to then make it conscious so um, your unconscious is where you understand what that need is so you have a need to uh, to feel love. You have a need to be it's like a programmed response that we already. It's have. something that's primal, right? You yeah. want to, okay. you want to feel love. You okay. want to um, you know you want to feel successful. <clears throat> you want to feel safe. Again, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So that so that is the the human need. And, and then, is this what you talk about the caveman brain? This is what I talk about caveman brain. Okay, so, so it's it's predetermined stuff that's in your head. 
I need to be safe. I need to have cover over my head. I need to eat. Yeah, I need and to procreate. This is, and I need when to do I, all these things. This is the it's stuff the that, driver. Yeah, okay. Of you. And oh, all of that happens unconsciously. So when you know when you ask okay. someone, why okay. did you buy okay. that car? Why did you buy that type of watch? Hamish, I won't pick on you again. Why did you buy that type of watch? <laughs> you know, it, it it you will never really be clear on what that human need was because we just don't think that way but mm. yet that is where our that is how our buying decisions are actually being made yeah a lot of decisions in life are made by our feeling yeah, yeah, yeah it feels yeah. right and then this all happens quite quickly we're not even conscious to it this feels right oh they get me i'm gonna buy this and yeah. that it really yeah. is as simple as that and yeah. then there are things that you do so i guess understanding the unconscious needs is the, the key to it all the start point unconscious needs and yeah. there's and, what are they? you know there's um well there's well there's about 60 something there's a oh, guy called God. donald e brown okay. he wrote a book um um on um human needs which i can save you reading it because it is a bit dry but uh there are 60 odd um human needs and it's just about um uh, associating you know what is that what is that need? And this is what I love about neuromarketing is it translates culturally. Yeah. So just because you speak Chinese, you yeah. have the same, you know, you have the same human need. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it's just we are communicating that in a different language or, you know, with different visuals depending that's quite, on culture. That's, quite, that's really, really enlightening for me because I always feel like um, with technology things, that's my flow. Like if, if you propose a problem for me and I can solve the thing, it almost, it's just, it just comes to me. But with people-oriented thing triggers for marketing. I've, I've, I've talked to Hamish about it before. I'm not very good at that. I'm not very good at knowing how to trigger responses from people. I'm not very manipulative. I, I, I just, you come from, I you're I coming from the rational. ask people things. I, I'm, I'm about this thing. And I've always wondered, how the hell do you guys wake up and just understand how people are going to react to something, what's going to drive them to want to buy well, something? It and it takes, really comes back to this, doesn't it? It comes back to a the research on the yeah. human brain. There's even there's a thing called mirror neurons. Mm. And that is where you the same part in your brain is firing. So you know that you know that um, famous solo ad? You know, slam it down hard. Yeah. You know, the man, yeah. he's like being canoeing and, yeah. and he slams down the solo and it's running down his face and it's a really hot day. The, you know, him actually drinking that, the same part of, of your brain is firing as, as he oh, really? is actually your first him being actually. Quenched. So you are feeling that. And that's why, you know, it's clever marketing where they show that, that it's eye contact. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's you are experiencing yeah. that of what I'm experiencing. That's a whole, yeah. the whole study um, done on mirror neurons is one wow. thing. You know, for what cool you see, that? you know, then I want to see myself in that picture. Or not see myself. And that's why they tell the story. Here's the problem. You're working hard all day. I'm getting thirsty. Here's the solution. I'm associating with that because, you know, what we know about the behaviour of that particular audience is that, you know, they will relate to that. They'll be real thirsty at the end of the day, yeah. Oh, that's excellent. That's really enlightening. Um, Okay, so, I mean, you know, how, how do you tap into a group's needs? I mean, do you just look at the group and say, well, these people are doing X, Y, Z, they're going to have these needs or do you actually ask them? So this is about cleverly uh, starting from brand positioning. So you have developed, uh, you've created a product and it could be anything from, you know, a a phone, a car, a a fishing rod, you know, a mechanic, that mechanical thing you bolt on your bike for when you're riding. What, but my question I always ask is that we've got to get clear on what is that thing actually enabling? What is the human need? How do, what's the emotional response that we want people to have Mm. when they're using you know trialing driving you know experiencing that product or service so what we need to get really clear on that 
And we can even then start to test and measure at that point. And this is why it's about, you know, having a proven concept. You know, you can test and measure A-B testing. You've probably mm -hmm. heard that term where you might go out with one, um, you know, we might be fulfilling on, we think the human need driver is love yeah. or, or the other one might be acknowledgement for that product. So we could, in the early days, go out and test those two yeah. and see what gives us the better cut through and yeah. what's giving us the better response rate yeah, right. for what is what it is our product or service is enabling sure. for someone. And that's why you need a really good prototype. Mm -hmm. Looks and feels like yeah. a manufactured part. It does, yeah, okay. so much. Yeah, it's like even down to, you know, we make buying decisions on the way it feels, yeah. the way it looks, yeah. our perceived value of something. Yeah. I mean, quite often we do 3D, a lot of people do 3D printed prototype. I, I use them for form modeling, that's it. I never ever put in front of a client, or not a client, not, a, not in front of a consumer or a licensing partner. Because they just don't They just don't it. connect with it at all. Yeah. Everything has to be right and it has to touch, feel, weight. Everything has to it's be like right. Even packaging. The way things work, they have to be able to go and use it. Yeah, yeah so we've done, we've, we've seen, I've seen, I've seen 30 grand spent on focus groups on a product that was glued together and all the glue mm. and there was two parts to it, it was all glued. Wow. And, you know, it was And those people that can't even and, and really tell you what was, you want. I don't like the colour, the glue's a bit nasty. <laughs> you know, you got <laughs> zero out of it. Oh, yeah. I didn't do that, I would never do that. <laughs> no, that, no, that is a waste. But that was back before prototyping, was, I, I'll admit, it was back before prototyping was as advanced as it is now, probably 20 years ago, but... Even still, blind, blind Freddie said, "Could see that was a waste of money." I and mean, that's one thing I hate to Get see. Get a good prototype. Yeah. Go to market yeah. with it. Don't do that testing if it's if it's a, a rough. But and even thing. film it. So yeah. film how people are opening it up or how they're interacting with it, yeah. because that's you learn a lot about you know because that's their unconscious coming yeah. out into yeah. you know because mm -hmm. they're just doing it by yeah. feel right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're wanting they're curious or they're not yeah. curious yeah. or how do they understand the instructions that you've written on how to use it or you know you can actually get a lot from filming their behavior yeah, on yeah. that so how do you see it happening you motivate the unconscious mind does that settle into their subconscious mind and then then they go and act on it with a conscious mind is that how the so process? the buy decision the buy decision is actually made in the unconscious and uh -huh. then you actually where you start to rationalize you know there's people that need a lot of information uh, in order to make a buying decision, yep. especially the more expensive something is, the more information some of those people need. Whereas other people go, oh, well, if you've bought it, then it's all right for me. Yeah. So, you know, there are those people that buy based on a, a bit more rational and those that buy a bit more on the emotional, but you need to compensate for both. So the buying decision is still made from <coughs> an emotional perspective. I know I've had arguments with rational thinkers and scientific-based thinkers who are like, no, no, I just need the evidence and then I think about it and then I rationalise, rationalise. And then I buy, you know. But they really have decided emotionally yes, way before. Right. Mm. And they're just simply yeah. taking it in the subconscious, thinking about it a little yeah. bit more, and then actually rationalizing yeah. in a conscious way. And mind. that might be more like there's two versions of this. I'm going to rationalize with ones. Or they think more, about, will it come on sale? Or will yeah. it, you know, yeah. do yeah. I like this? Yeah. Does it, you know, how will I use it? How will I justify it to my wife and my yeah. partner? <laughs> you know, that that's yeah. all part of the buying decision, right? Yeah. And so we could actually manufacture that but we do know that emotionally yep. they've already made that buying decision yeah, right. they're just trying to work out how to make that actually to make the purchase yeah okay and then you know even making the purchase easy for people too is important so you know how it's a simple step if they're buying it online where yeah. do they find it yeah. where are the stores located you want to take away any pain yeah. or barriers yeah 
Um, I've even seen stores, because retail is quite hard these days because people can buy online mm. and buy from anywhere mm. at cheap price. So how do you get people in store? you got to get rid of barriers. So you see carpet that goes out over the edges. And, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. music or scents or what's the experience that you'll actually get when you come in store to buy yeah. a product? And that's subconscious. For me, even if I'm doing a design project, a lot of information goes in, which is obviously your job as a marketer to give all the information, the right information, mm-hmm. so that the subconscious settles happily. So when I when I yes. do my research, I, I'll find out as much information as I can. And I really enjoy the process. You know, I'm, I'm going to go and make a purchase, especially if it's something I'm passionate about, and I'll go and find out all the information, compare the different products, compare the different versions, and then it'll it'll all settle. And then one will one will sort of make you get a gut feeling about what's what's good. And I feel like that's the subconscious part of it. So you sort of your rationalization, your conscious mind. You've been you made the decision in, in the unconscious mind, obviously, and then you rationalise in your subconscious and and make a decision about which way to go. Which I guess is then a very important part of a marketer's role is to make sure that that the message is correct for the first sub. Yes. Emotional. Drive. Yeah, or you've or you've got a few options there where you are directing people to where it does feel right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's really to actually intriguing. to you know to take that action today. Yeah. As opposed to oh, I need to go and mind think about that for wow. another five years. And it's a, it's interesting, and that's what I love about the science of, yeah, of um, yeah. you know, human behaviour. Well, I feel like I've just had a big light switched on, honestly. You know, the marketing mind to me has always been a minefield. I've just got, that's muddy water, I guess. Yeah. Call up Hamish and <laughs> go after that. Help. <laughs> um. <laughs> Belinda or whoever. But, you know, I, I just, I've never been able to delve into it. I've tried it and I've failed. And, you know, with the sinkers, I just couldn't market it to save myself. You know, the wrong message had everything wrong. Scott, you just had to take me out for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought, saw you as, as accessible. You're so busy um. with everything. I was like, oh, I can't call Belinda. But obviously you are. So, oh, yeah. look, that's been really great. I, I mean, I feel like it's, it's, an enlightening part of it. Um, I'm certainly going to start, you know, taking that on board when I when I do my um, initial investigations into motivators as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's there's things like you know opening loops. So you tell somebody something, we don't give them the answer. We know human brain needs to keep that open to find the answer. I mean, that's why you know home and away has been going on for so long. Is that you know every at the end of every episode they go, but wait, yeah, stay right. tuned to find right, out if right, Elf right, does right, die. Right, right. You know, and so that you know in books they do that from <laughs> chapter to chapter. But if you can in your marketing message, you know, because you've got to come in and trial it for yourself, or yeah, how are you opening that loop where you're telling them something that they didn't think was possible, but they've got to actually take an action in order to find the answer. Yeah, right. If it be click it or come in or whatever. Yeah. Um, another one is the illusion of choice. Yeah. So you don't want to, you want you want to direct them to your product to make the sale. So there's a few things around that. You know, pricing, people will generally buy, for the, if, if, say you've got three toasters on the shelf, you know, there's the cheap one, the middle-priced one, and then the more expensive one. Yeah majority of people will buy the middle one yeah right. it's just there's something there's a there's it's a from research that's what happens so how yeah. do you increase your average dollar sale you yeah. get rid of the cheap one you put in a more expensive one then people are buying oh, this okay. model yeah, 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 you know yeah. things like yeah, that yeah. so knowing about where you're uh, priced in a market yeah, is sure. also um, important but having that choice so uh, you know how many colors does it come in if you're buying a car you know um, you you want to make sure that you feel that you are not being sold to. So if you if you go into a car yard and you go, oh, you know, I might want to buy a car. This is some of my ideas. And they go, oh, you just know, this is the one, right? 
And you feel you're feeling sold to at that point. Mm. But if I was the salesperson or the way that the uh, marketing was directing you through to make that sale, if it be online too, mm. you know, it goes well. Here's the three options, or here's the four options, and this is why they're different. And then you, um, and then I'm guiding you, yeah, and then you can easily make a decision because it isn't too many. And your ownership's there. Then yeah. you in then you don't feel sold to. It's easier for you to make the buying decisions. You wait up. You feel you've weighed up all of the the right answers yeah, or the, the, yeah. your, your questions have been answered and yep. then you can make a choice wow, whereas cool. too many things then people can't actually make a choice yeah right that's interesting right? so interesting. interesting wow and I, I mean we, we obviously with, with my area <laughs> we always bring it back to me but but this is the sort of audience we're aiming at the inventors and mm. the startups um we rely heavily on early adopters because they're the ones that get it in early and they'll, right. they'll tell others they, they, who, they who, who the sheep who, who the, in the big bell curve of things there's, there's a big bell in the middle and a very small entry curve and you know a lot so about what, those what, guys what triggers what triggers those people what, well, how do you get them on board they're the people that like to well again it's acknowledgement isn't it because those yeah. people like to say oh like, well, where did you get that new thing from oh let, come and look at my thing that does xyz right so they like making to it public they yeah so they make it expensive make, almost it needs make to be exclusive um it yeah. needs to be something that the message is easily transferred for that early adopter who i would i would describe them as people have um high risk high risk appetites so mm. they're willing to try something invest mm. because generally products early to market has a higher price point than yep. once you mass market yes yeah so if you take the tesla for example and that's a good case study where even part of his whole business model about getting that because you know that's a whole new way. He's needing to educate uh, yeah. people that you talked about educating people yeah. around a product. And he really in his hasn't way. done much educating. He doesn't hasn't really needed to because been. he's created the desire around. Well, it's better. You know, so it's, it's so it's different and it's expensive and nobody else has it and it's the speed of it. Yeah. So the people that I know own one or are buying one, you know, they can't yeah. wait to to it, try the how does it drive on its own and how do you plug it in and you know there's all these new and exciting things that. We yeah. know behaviourally from early adopters, they really like that kind yeah. of thing. It yeah. gives them that, you know, oh, yeah. you need to come around and see my Tesla then. Yeah. I'll take you, you can yeah. take her for a drive. Yeah. And, and, you know, you get the, the back best your seat. Yeah. yeah, and then, yeah. then you talk about So they're actually, they become your, your early adopters, your advocates, if you like, for your brand. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then as so, more and more people buy, and yeah. so by them buying at that high price point and even pre-ordering, that's actually giving, you know, Elon Musk the the funds then yeah. to keep developing it for mass production, because that's his goal. But he's but he it's not only for him to be successful, it's for him to create a whole new vertical. So he's then he wants competition. So he tells enough people about what he's doing with electronic cars because he wants competition. Yeah, yeah. Because there needs to be otherwise the whole industry won't change yeah, yeah, if yeah. he stitches yeah. it up. So you, in your initial marketing. It really has to be quite high perceived value. You can't just go in there with NAF marketing because you're aiming at these early adopters who want to see how flash and how big you are and how well, expensive it, this whole thing is. Your, right. your whole perceived value must be very high, otherwise you're not going to get the early yeah. adopters. Well, and, and I guess depending on your product, if you're talking about sinkers, then sure, That's, you want it more expensive than you know other sinkers. But if you're talking about Teslas or you're talking about you know, uh, fittings for high-end boats or, you know, technology that is not available through anything else, then, yes, it, it needs to be... People pay for that privilege. Yeah. People pay for that acknowledgement yeah. of how great they are. It's also for, tied together, isn't it? so important, all this stuff. Getting the, getting the product done is the, is the beginning. 
Yeah, it really is the beginning, and yeah. it's really the only the enabler of something. Yeah. And I keep coming back to that because we keep on thinking features and benefits. I've yeah. worked with many clients over many years, and you know, tell me about your product, and they're like, oh, it's got this feature. It's got this benefit. If you mm. plug it in here, you know, look how nice this clips together. Yeah. Nobody really cares, cares. about it. That, oh, that's my biggest. Nobody cares issue. about that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's. What sad, I have found recently is the story that. of the inventor is important, personalizing yes. it, because a lot of these the a lot of these inventions have come from a need, and and sometimes you know pain in someone's life they've gone oh shit this is an annoyance for me I want to overcome this. Then they have to overcome hurdles, and people like to hear about that as well. Mm. This guy battled forward, or girl battled forward, and they've got a result out of it. Yes. So that that stories uh, I find is fairly uh, intriguing to people as well. So because yeah, pe- yeah. people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Yeah. So hearing the inventor's story about oh, I, you know, I had a child that was really sick, and you know there was no solution on the market, so we developed up this system that did yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, and if I hadn't have had that sick child, you know, it's generally always those types of you know really the emotional story stories, yeah. and they go, wow, you're coming from a place of you know truth a place of authenticity yeah so yeah. i believe in you not just not just a new scaremongering thing that you yeah. you know you're trying to force on me yeah salty yeah excellent um look we should probably wrap that as well that's another another nice uh little capture there so we'll 20 minutes that's uh that's a good 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 um good little episode thank you very much it's been incredibly enlightening for me uh as as a marketing gumby um, keep calling yourself that I mean I'm coming right. from a place where most startups are coming from you know they, they're going in there they might know products but they don't know the marketing part or something obviously yeah, that's a bit of a generalisation some of my best clients are good at marketing yeah not engineers um, and they're the best my best my most successful clients to be honest well, that's, yeah, that's because they successful. understand people whereas yeah, understand. I, they can employ me to understand the product and I just give it back to them and they go and understand the people and then how they connect yeah. The people who are like me and come to me, who are very good engineers, usually struggle to you know, have a lot of difficulty getting the product back, back out into the real into the into the real world and selling it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much again, Belinda. Yes, my pleasure. Good. My pleasure. Amazing insights. You've been listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick.